It is, after all, the worst produced podcast on the internet. <laughs> You're right. But I think we are we are up and running. So mm-hmm. um, hopefully this works because this is a this is a new app that we haven't used. So um, so here's the, here's how you make your decision. The the Ro- Romeo and Juliet I don't know much about, but it's the RYJ. I re- I think you had burn issues with it, but I think you liked it. I don't remember smoking it, but I smoked it. The Maduro in the La Aurora, that's the when we had, did, went through the whole collection, mm-hmm. that's the one that was the best. The best. So I bought, or okay. that's what everyone else said was the best. I don't okay. know, I don't remember what you or I said was the best. I don't know. But I bought extra of that one because it was supposed to be the best. <laughs> and I recall liking it. and But I don't remember this one, that's why I, so. Well, let's go with the Romeo and Julieta. Okay. And, and normally I would say the other one just because of gauge, mm-hmm. gauge preference. Mm-hmm. But I, I, if you said I had burning issues with this one before, but liked it, I want to try it again. Okay. If we can get it straightened out, yeah. Try to redeem the. Sounds good. So the experience. Yeah. It is the Romeo and Julieta RYJ, and I'm not sure the ring gauge, but it's got to be at least a 54. It's big. Yeah. Bigger. I don't think it's a 60. It might be a 56. <clears throat> so. My fancy giant cutter will cut anything up to like a seventy. Can you imagine? <laughs> what seventy? So, so let's say, Doug, that I'm new into cigars and okay. I want to buy a cutter. Where do I go to buy a cutter? Um, look for the cutter. That, I'll give you the brand, and, and maybe this could be our unofficial, <laughs> unofficial sponsor. Unofficial today. sponsor of today. Cuban Crafters is really good um, because. Their design, there's a back to the cutter. And if there's a hole going all the way through the cutter, you have a chance of cutting off too much. The reason the Cuban Crafters patent or design is so cool, you just push the cigar back against it and, great sound effect, snip, and you cut off the right amount. And you can cut off the hair more if you want to. But there are a few rip-offs that, and I'm not necessarily endorsing them, but it does the same thing. Mm-hmm. Some of the cheaper ones probably made in China or Japan, with all due respect to our friends in those countries. <laughs> um, and I'm going to actually clip just a little more because I think I got my cigar a little crooked. So, that will do. Again. And, uh, I don't think I got any straighter that time, but anyway. That Cuban Crafters cutters I think are great. Um, as far as anything else, the cheapest thing you can find on the internet. If you buy a super cheap one on eBay, it'll get dull fast. But if you buy a super sharp one, you'll probably lose it. <laughs> you know, and they're so, I mean, they're five bucks. So, you know, anything five to ten bucks is fine. You can buy hundred dollar ones if you want, you know. So, mm, my cigar has a tight draw. Mine's very loose, which which was surprising. Surprised me. Um, I was noticing, too, on my cut. It seemed I had just a little bit of wrapper yet that was kind of flapped over my opening. That would have made a difference, huh? Uh, probably. Maybe in how evenly it burned. Yeah. I got it off already, so you maybe can't see it. But. Well, and and the cap usually if there's if there's an issue with it, the cap's made to be kind of kind of made to be taken off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like the way this pre-draw tastes, and I'm not much of a pro. I don't usually think about that. I usually mm-hmm. pre-draw and taste it, but mm-hmm. this tastes pretty good. Yeah. So far, so good. Mm-hmm. All right, do we do a toasting process, sir? While you toast, you want to, should we do an official opening? Welcome to Doug and Joe Talk. <laughs> try to try to sound official. There you go. There you go. <laughs> we are the smallest, slowest growing podcast in America. Worst produced podcast on the internet today. <laughs> Probably. I guess we're unverifiably. Yeah, unverifiably so. <laughs> but uh, so um. Definitely got a few things on my mind. I'm not in a hurry to rush into anything. I want to make sure we get this cigar lit. I've already talked a little bit enough about it. This is a good a good segue. Something that should be talked about more than it is, but transition time. Mm-hmm. I just I just got off work. My hands are still dirty. And <laughs> just a little time to light the cigar sometimes yeah. is enough transition time to kind of get get the get the brain moving in a different direction. I, I've as I get older, I'm 51 now, and as I get older, I like 
things. Uh, you and I have talked a lot about process. I like processes, but I also like things that just require time in order to get quality. And one of one of the things that is some, somewhat like cigars in a sense, you, you know, you don't want to hurry it, but it's tea. Yeah. You know, you can't rush tea or you mess up the brew. And uh, so one of these days we'll have to drink tea or something during one of our podcasts. Boy, that smells awfully good. The just getting the I don't know if it's all foot smoke or some of it's from your draw, but man, that smells dandy. There's a there's a good <coughs> amount of smoke coming out of the out of the breech. What do you the the, the, the <laughs> what's the head? There's the head and the foot. The foot is the parking light. I guess it would be the head. Ouch! The head. That uh, this lighter is running out of gas. And I had my thumb too close to it and burnt myself. It's always fun to put on the recording. I think I'm toasted enough. Let's see if I can get a good light here. I want to be extra careful because you had issues. Yeah, I think I've got it pretty square this time, but... One side gave me a little trouble. Well, I did the best I can. I'll blame that 10% on the light on the person lighting the cigar. I'll take a little <laughs> responsibility if that burns wonky. And we have to remember throwing the lighter down on the table probably is going to sound. Makes our listeners feel like they're here with us. That's right. That's right. You know. Sitting in a, in my garage. For those of you who don't know that, we don't talk about that much. But, we could post uh, pictures, but someday. That, yeah, that's up to you. Maybe when we get to video. <laughs> there you go. Oh. Okay. Ooh. Not happy with the tight draw. Yours is fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mine's very easy. I think I remember it, you saying the other one that you was a loose draw too. This one, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna work on it just lightly, just lightly rolling it in my fingers. Because this is supposed to be a, you know, whether you trust the supposed to be people or not, it's supposed to be a good, good, good smoke. This feels pretty firmly packed. It might just be, this might be an anomalous mm-hmm. one of the bunch. New guy. <laughs> a new guy at the factory. Yeah. Right. New, yeah, new gal probably. <laughs> Either way. Because yeah. these are rolled on the legs of virgin. All the cigars we smoke here um, <laughs> are, of course. <clears throat> so transitions. That's a that's a that's a good thing. I got to go from the pig farm to a tub of mostly baking soda mm. and listened to a podcast and relaxed, and then got as clean as I could get. So I had some time. My transition was longer than yours. <laughs> oh, that's okay. So, you know, I think it's just something. The reason I brought that up is because I think it's something that we've kind of lost. It used to take a pretty long time to travel somewhere, so you had time to transition, you know, between places or between jobs or whatever. Seems like now we move so fast and we generally fill any kind of downtime we have at all with some kind of input, and uh, we kind of don't transition quite so well, maybe. We don't. Well, you want to give a comment on what, what you're getting initially? Well, I've got just a little bit of the old, uh, just a little bit of the old uh, uh, burn, sort of like a, you know, you can kind of taste the sting on your tongue, a little bit, a little little spice, a little spice there. Um, I would call this a light tasting cigar. Not quite sure what I'm tasting yet, but it's pleasant. I uh, 
I agree. Right now it seems fairly light. Um, just a teeny bit of single spice, which is pleasant to me. I don't, I don't like much. Yeah. And it's, I don't know if you said, for me it's on my tongue. Maybe just a touch in the back of my throat. Sometimes it matters where it, where it hits your, where mm-hmm. it hits your mouth. My draw is still tight, but it's not, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it unbearable. And so I'm going to keep rolling it in my fingers while we talk. So, very good. You know, we can always go current events, or we can go completely off. Ain't nobody, no producer can <laughs> go off the grid. Yeah. yeah, we'll go off the grid. <laughs> off the grid. No. Uh, I don't know. I guess something that's probably on a lot of people's minds right now is this. Uh, and maybe not. Maybe we're so inundated with breaking news that we don't care anymore. But yeah. but uh, this bridge collapse, I guess, in Florida, and I've heard a few things about that, but. I'm really not up to speed right now, to be quite honest with you. Well, tell me what you know, because it's news to me. Okay, well, apparently there was in Florida somewhere, there was a, uh, a new pedestrian bridge next to next to a place of higher learning of some sort, college or university or something, mm-hmm. and they built this new pedestrian bridge to get students safely across the highway, mm-hmm. and apparently, like I said, I'm not really, I haven't, I've just been listening basically to the radio on my way to and from different places, but apparently they, the bridge had just been completed, maybe had just been opened, and they'd, test, they'd done some tests or something, and the engineers of the bridge said the cables need tightened, they have loosened and they need tightened, and so they're tight, excuse me, tightening these cables, and as they're tightening the cables, the bridge just collapses, and... Uh, I think the the death, the death count now is six people that were in cars underneath it when it collapsed. Wow. Apparently, I mean, I haven't seen any pictures at all. I haven't really heard much, but apparently there's a stop stop light, and so some cars were just stopped basically under this oh, wow. bridge, and it just went down. So it's kind of a that's bad. <laughs> it's very sad. It's kind yeah. of one of those things you don't expect. And the last, you know, one of the last things you think about is a bridge collapsing. Were you guys in Minneapolis when that bridge? Yeah, I was actually I was actually uh, working by myself in the bike shop at on that day, and I was really probably uh, the shop was on Franklin Street. It was probably oh maybe a quarter mile or half mile away from where it happened. Oh, that's pretty downtown. close. It was really close, close enough that when it collapsed, our power went out. Mm-hmm. So there must have been some power lines somewhere sure. integrated in that. And I didn't know what had gone on, so I was just still working in there, sort of in the half lit shop, and a couple of friends of mine. Came, we were closed, but you know, because we closed when the power went out. So sure. A couple of I was there by myself, and a couple of friends uh, knocked on the door and said, "Hey, did you hear the bridge just collapsed?" And no, I didn't know. And so, uh, yeah, I was I was really close at that time when that happened. Interesting. And I don't know of any others. I mean, at least any high profile. I remember that kind of sparked a national debate. Do you remember that when that bridge collapsed? It was there. Everybody was talking about our. our is our bridges safe and things like that? Is yeah. <laughs> is our bridges safe? Is our children learning? Yeah. I think it was during that time. Well, I remember, yeah, working on construction. Gosh, thirty years ago, briefly in between jobs. And I remember being on the site, and you know, you hear things from from the foreman. You know, you're talking about rebarring concrete. We're building a floor for a hospital, and he's like. And, I, and I'm like, hey, you know, on break, what would happen if, you know, if we forgot some of the rebar or did this or that? He's like, everything is so over-engineered today that the chances of anything going wrong is pretty slim, which is which I believe is true. Yet, yeah, a bridge in Minneapolis collapses and this rock bridge yeah. collapses. I don't know when the <clears throat> the I-35 bridge in Minneapolis was built, the original one. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was terribly old, but this one had just been built. And I think probably when it comes to things that aren't supposed to be too pretty, they probably are over-engineered like crazy. I wonder about, like, these pedestrian bridges that are going up. There's some gone up in Des Moines now, you know, these big cable systems, and they made mm-hmm. to kind of look, mm-hmm. they're designed to look really spectacular, and they put fancy lights on them for nighttime and things. I wonder, I mean, it has to play into it. If you're building a bridge for beauty, you build it different than if you're building it for utility or strength, I would I would imagine, like anything else. 
Yeah, and, and I can I can give you a flip side, and this I, I don't intend this to evolve into a anti-government conversation, but it, <laughs> you'll you'll see how it could. We are off for Disney, so yeah, we are. I mean, that's yeah. what we said we might. So, <laughs> but um, <clears throat> without giving too many specifics, I was very close to the <laughs> the engineer that worked on a uh, <clears throat> lost for work roundabout, mm. and basically. You know, he's an engineer. He's a, he's a, like a traffic specifically like traffic engineer guy, and he designs this thing and gives it to the the local government that it was given to, and says, "There you go. That's that's what it'll cost." And they're like, "Oh my goodness, that's that's crazy outside of our budget. What can you cut?" He's like, "Well, it's not like not like I put a bunch of flare in there, you know? Or is that what's called flare? Or when you?" Yeah, think of that movie where somebody had to wear a bunch of buttons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Office Space. Yeah, Office. Yeah, that's it. And yeah. talk about your flair. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like he's like, you know, well, maybe you could. Sh- and so he he starts shortcutting it, and he resubmits it, and that's, he's like, I don't know how many submissions there were, but it was just crazy to the point where, you know, he if they take the plan and say, you know, look, we we can only do this. This is the only money we have. They build it, and nobody says that's unsafe. And realistically, it's probably not, because again, I'm fine with I'm fine with no stop signs on a four-way intersection. You know, I'm kind of a low government, low regulation kind of guy. But at some point, there are expectations, and people are going through a strange round roundabouts are kind of uncommon here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's like, wow, at what point do you say you just can't keep cutting funding? You know, can't say oh that's too expensive and keep cutting safety funding. Can't keep cutting safety out, and I and I hate the word safety, you know, because safety's thrown around to, to scare people and get get you to approve more government money all yeah. the time. But still, yeah. I, I was on the side where that guy's like, well, you know, I am the engineer, and my best estimate, you, that's not too much money. That's the right amount of money. Right. He's the expert, you know. <clears throat> so <laughs> I'm curious. I mean. I know this is totally naive and half-witted, maybe, but I don't see how um, a roundabout or an, or an intersection of any kind, for that matter, could. I I don't understand. I mean, I guess if you're if you're talking about landscaping in the center or something, that would, could be considered flare. But in mm-hmm. essence, it's it's a it's a road shaped in a particular way. I mean, I don't know how you can make that more safe or less safe, or how you could. Uh, really uh, underflare that? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it seems so simple. Well, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, let me give you an example. I'm always nervous to say stuff like this on recording. But, you know, electrical code is your is your out? I just went out. No way. Okay, yeah, that's really bizarre. Sucks for the cigar. But you have been talking about it, No, I've been working on it, actually. Um, yeah, I'm working... More than I like to on mine, because mine's pretty, pretty stiff draw still. Yeah. But um, electrical code. Yeah. So the reason people hire electricians is to do the job right. But sometimes the electrician says, well, you know, that's safe. But really, according to the law, mm-hmm. the electrician isn't allowed to say that's safe. They're only allowed to say, is it code or not, if it's right. code, it's safe. Mm-hmm. But at some point, the electrician becomes the expert, Really, whether you have a license or not, because you know my, you know, you know my story. I worked for a contractor for years, and now I, now I don't. That doesn't mean I also lost all my knowledge. Um, but you know, there are things all the time that are, yeah, that's fine. Nobody's going to die. No, it's not code. We didn't go spend fifteen hundred more dollars on it, and it's fine. You know, and in places where there aren't those regulations, they're not unsafe. You know, mm-hmm. that lighter kind of sucks. You got a yeah. different one. I don't. I might run inside and get one. Or matches, maybe. Yeah, anything you got. I don't seem to take any flame at all. It doesn't appear that matches in there. Let me run in and grab one. And so we'll, we won't pause anything. We'll just leave it rolling. That makes it seem so much more. So much more. So much less formal when I kick a bucket and all that. <laughs>
Frank's official cigar lighter in there. Jeez, but I didn't. I think I've resurrected it. All right. Yeah, we need, I just need to leave that one out here because I used all my all my small bits in the second unofficial sponsor. <laughs> uh, oddly enough, maybe this is a pertinent uh, comment, maybe not, but it seemed that I'm getting really like hyper tunneling with that caused it to go out. Oh. It burned way down. I just now kind of relit the outside, but it looked like it was tunneling. So I don't know what's the story with humid humidification of these here. Um, pretty pretty good. If, if anything, uh, a couple of weeks ago it was a tad low, but I'm sure I've got it equalized by now, and which low humidity would make it burn, would make it cone, not tunnel. So, okay. <clears throat> I would say these should be fine. Hmm. My ass hasn't come off, but just at a glance, mine looks to be burning pretty good. And I'm trying to draw a little more on mine and get more flavor out of it. I'm not going to give an update yet. Yeah. <clears throat> so, because we're into regulation and safety. Yeah, I've, uh, it's, it, all of that stuff is, is all throughout my life. It's kind of been a theme. I've, always been a little bit of a rogue when it comes to those types of things. If I if I have an understanding that I feel is good enough to be safe in my estimation, not according to anybody else or whatever, if it's if it's safe enough for me to to do it well enough that I I'm, I'm pretty sure that it's gonna be okay. Um, without being stupid. I mean, try not to be stupid. <laughs> I'll just do something generally speaking. And sort of regulation and code and those types of things have always been something that I try to abide by, but but uh, if I've erred, it's usually been on the side of, of like, well, it's my thing, it's my safety, I'm just going to do it my way. And, yeah. and uh, so far, <laughs> so far I've gotten, I don't know if you say gotten away with it or just it's worked out for me. Well, and, and, and there is a... You know, there is this, I'll, I'll say a lie, that might that might be a strong word, but there is this lie that says, you're not allowed. Right. And that's not true. I mean, even with a law, you're still, you're still allowed. <laughs> you're still allowed to break the law. That's only an incentive or a de-incentive. Yeah. One way or the other. So, <clears throat> you know, and, and I, the thing that's, I think interesting. Now you can correct me if I'm wrong. We are a little off, but this will this will be interesting. The it depends on who you trust. If you really trusted the electrical code, you'd like learn it, read it, study it, look it up on the internet. You fig you figure out and you say, oh yeah, yes, I got to do it. But it's an issue of trust. You know, as well as I do, that code is about maintaining an industry more than it's about safety. <clears throat> yeah, and a standard. Whether you call it an industry standard or a safety standard, it's about creating a standard that yeah. that keeps an industry flourishing. Not only the electricians, but the people that manufacture the product, the entire industry. And <clears throat> which is, if I can just one second jump in, that's an amazing discussion to be had. How something probably would, maybe, possibly, <laughs> okay, probably maybe possibly begins as a legitimate safety safety question, but we all know how the political process works. Mm -hmm. Through that process, it totally changes way more from a safety concern to an industrial standard. It, 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 always, it always goes in favor of the industry. Mm -hmm. You're absolutely mm -hmm. right. And we've, we've talked before about the fact a business person, and I... I I'm actually going to try to remember that I'm a little further away from the mic because I prefer to stand instead of sit on the couch. But um, talked about the oh, where was I going with this? The the standard shoot, I forgot. Um, <clears throat> talking about keeping an industry going, I think is where you were at. When yeah, when I industry going. Uh, that's the, no, no. I was actually bouncing off what you said. Keeping an industry going. Uh, um, oh, traveling overseas. You, if you've done that, which I know you have, I know you've seen places where. Oh, just a minute, <laughs> I'm losing, losing mine. Fucked <laughs> a little in my lungs. There you go. Get it down in there. All right. So you travel overseas, and you see downtown Nepal. Here's a dad 
living up above his shop where he sells, you know, two things a month to tourists, barely buying food for his kids, but he needs lights, so he buys wire and puts a couple hooks on it, climbs the pole outside of his house and hooks it over the wire so that four hours a day when there is electricity, his family has yeah. lights. Yeah. And is it safe? Well, you know, he's the dad, it's his family, you know, <laughs> it's a completely different context than being in America. Yeah, it is. And it's, uh, you know, on one hand I go, wow, you know, that it's that it's that basic, it's that grassroots, but it's not unsafe. Well, safety is being sold to us by... And, and there's, a, there's unintended consequences for having a safe society. Mm-hmm. Let me give you an example. You're absolutely right, I have seen stuff like that. In fact, when I was in Rwanda, there was a welder. These, these metal shops in, in, in Africa and Rwanda that I have seen are astounding. The things that these guys can come up with because they have, they, who do they trust? They trust their own ability to figure things out. Yeah. And so, not only can they turn out amazing innovations and inventions and products with the most primitive of tools, but like we, I found, I saw this welder who had home built a welder by winding wire and doing all these things. And he uh, he had he had done the same thing. There were some high lines, and he had thrown over thrown wires over these high lines, and was drawing this terrific amount of power for his welder mm-hmm. off these high lines, you know. And the see, okay, so us good Westerners would look at that guy and say, wow, that's insanely unsafe and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but what kind of people are they building there? They're building people that can innovate and people mm-hmm. that can figure things out and that are not afraid to take some risks for the reward because the guy was known as a, a local miracle worker, you know. He could take stuff and fix it or make it. Yeah when things weren't available, and I just think that it, like, the whole, like, standardized system aside, the whole safety issue aside, I think that there's a quality of person that is built, and it's sink or swim. You know, a lot of people fall through the cracks, but the ones that do succeed, they're a special, a special breed. The, the capitalist in me <clears throat> often says, and I, I think this is, this is why industries grow with regulation like they do, the capitalist just says, I don't care. Whatever, I'm going to make money. Mm-hmm. But at some point, there's been so much government regulation on hiring an employee that it costs crazy just to hire somebody, and you want to make, you want to keep them, because if you don't, oh my gosh, it costs so much to hire somebody else. There's so much regulation in just well, putting in an, electric, an electrical panel to run your business. Yeah. That they just say, we'll just do it, we'll just make money, and they're more concerned about providing for their family, making sure their kids go to college, to developing a thriving business, and they just do it. But at some point, I do think that the rogues, as you put it, need to say, whoa, 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 <coughs> wait a minute. <laughs> Realize that just about everything is marketing. The word safety is marketing. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> um, the word code, it's all marketing. Yeah. It's not necessarily safety. Mm-hmm. That you're you're saying it's safe, but you're also defining safety. Yeah. It's true. <clears throat> Think about the way that our country has changed over the last couple hundred years in that regard. And when having having this discussion, I think back to cowboy movies. <laughs> okay. So you've got a guy that comes into town out in the west somewhere the plains of Nebraska or New Mexico or wherever. He comes in and he's got he's got a little bit of money because he worked or inherited it or however he got a hold of it. Maybe he went to sea. I don't know. But he comes and he's got a little bit of money and and these guys, you know, in the cowboy movies, and I don't know if this is all true, but most stereotypes begin in truth somewhere. Sure. Um, these guys come in and they do a few things in this town and before long they own the town. Yeah. Right. And they're usually the bad guys in the cowboy movies. Yeah. But it makes you think. It seems that <clears throat> when there are no rules, and I'm, I'm just going to throw this out here and see what you say about it. But when there are no rules, it seems that that you get more of that um, that type of person that rises to the top and is able to just totally dominate, mm-hmm. it seems as though, you know, 
while it may not be outright socialism or outright communism, it seems like that's the tendency. When we add regulation, it causes that the rich guy or the guy that's going to get rich is going to do well in business. He's still going to do well, but he has to bring the people around him along with him. Yeah. Is, is that, are you, am I tracking with you? I, I, think, I think so. And I don't know if that's moral, it's a moral question or if it's a political question, but it certainly is apparent. Yeah. Um, I, when I, when I hear some people that are a, li- a little more favorable to certain types of government regulation, people usually older than me, when they talk logically about government regulation, it doesn't ever sound bad. You know, government is just a bunch of people deciding, hey, this would be good for all of us. Mm-hmm. And um, so maybe that's just what government is, kind of. Um, but, you know, and at some point I might just say, fine, that's okay. Yeah. And, um, but on the other hand, I do I do like to look at rights and say, well, I'm not sure that you have a right to do that, even if a group of you get together, mm-hmm. you know, and, and and say that. Yeah. That's why small government's way better because you have a, more of a say. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, well, the funny thing is, is that a lot of times you'll hear people <laughs> you'll hear people point their fingers because they do it with their mouth. Um, at the wealthy or the successful and and they call them greedy and they call them you know tyrannical and then <clears throat> those people that are less well off or whatever will will exert their own greed and tyranny over the person that <laughs> becomes successful exactly. and it's just a funny 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 thing to think about it, it is <clears throat> is it still greed if you say, hey, look at that rich guy. He has more than me, and I want a piece of his pie. It's greed that says that. And you can call that guy greedy all you want, but it's really your own personal greed that's caused you to want a piece of his pie. That, let, me, let me tweak what you said. Yeah. Usually, <laughs> usually, they don't say, I want a piece of that. They say, oh, well, the poor people need some of that. They, they, we they, should they, afford they, to... Yeah, we we, yeah, can, yeah, we, we can afford to tax <laughs> you so that we can help the poor... Instead of just saying, why don't we just, why don't we just all, yeah. why don't we just ten percent of everybody? Mm-hmm. We can all just give ten percent. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Yeah. Oh no, it's not fair because you worked really hard and got more money than me. <laughs> <laughs> what? I, yeah. I, I want to be free to not work hard and not see, and not have to steal your money to take care of the poor guy across the street if I want to. You know? Yeah. Is it? I'm willing to be a centrist in this regard. Like if. If, if, I think I am, I, it gets, a, the, the waters are muddy, but I think that if, <laughs> if I was the rich guy, I would want to think that I would want to help bring up my community because I want there to be more money in the community. I would want to just kind of bring up everybody's standard of living. But that, it's not, uh, but that's a free will choice. And I think that's what's that's important different. to yeah. identify. It's different than forcing somebody to mm-hmm. charity. Definitely. So, cigar update, and I'm going to go back to prosthetics. That way we'll remember where I'm going. The prosthetic thing I left a little while ago in the conversation. Prosthetic sounds fascinating. It's, it's interesting. It's, oh. a, it's a mission thing. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so, but my draw has still been snug, but not unbearable. I'm at one-third. That's why I thought this should be a good update. Yours went out, so you're not quite I, the same. Well... I don't know exactly where I started, but I'm about I'm about a third. Well, we have the same cigar, so maybe I'm a hair past the third. You're a little bit further than me. Yeah. My ash has not dropped, so mine's wonky right now. Yeah, but you had to relight and everything. Mine's burning pretty straight, um, and so it's doing okay. The ash is holding on. That's a good. That's well over an inch, inch yeah. and a half. Mm-hmm. And it might fall off, and then I'll get to tell if it's tunneling or doing anything else in a minute, but. I don't think my taste is light because of the hard draw. I think it's just a light taste. And I may not, when I heat it up, when I draw hard, uh, hard and fast, it, there's a little more flavor. So I'm trying to work it more, but we're also trying to talk. <laughs> Which, sometimes that's that's one of the things that's bad. If I'm sitting by myself, listening to a podcast, I can just baby the cigar and don't have to worry about it. But, yeah. So, your your turn. 
Um, okay, so my taste is light, and even I have a light draw. And I'm just, just as I was talking, I knocked off some ash to try to even up my burn a little bit, get some oxygen in there. But um, not, it's not burning terribly, terrible bad. It's not enough to really do a whole lot. Yeah, and with a relight, I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame that on the cigar. Yeah. Mine, yeah. Mine's pretty straight. I, this is like a... I'm trying to turn and make some conclusions about this. This is a, There's a lot of... It seems like a lot of foot smoke and a lot of head smoke, actually, on mine as soon as I draw on it. I gently shook my ash off, didn't tap it very hard. Mine's mostly... It's not completely flat. <laughs> Yeah. And shaking our ash is not something that we usually like to do or talk about. Enunciate really well when you say that. Ash. Shaking our ashes. Uh, but, yeah. <clears throat> but, um, yeah. So, did you have anything more to say? Well, I, you know, again, if you've listened to any of the previous podcasts, you'll know that my palate is not nearly as developed as Doug's is. But, but I, I basically am a thumbs up or thumbs down cigar critic. And this is a thumbs up just because I like the light. I like the light taste. I like to be able to enjoy it. It's not overpowering me with, with, uh, with anything. And, and so I give this a thumbs up. I do generally, I feel like this isn't as sweet as I normally would like a cigar to be. But it's still very, very pleasant and, and palatable. Yeah, pleasant is kind of the line for me. Like a pleasant cigar, I might not buy again. Like this is a, gosh, I probably, and, and again, if you got a list of 50, and 25 of them are pleasant, and 25 of them are awesome, you're going to buy the 25. So I've got a pretty big list. Yeah, yeah. So this probably wouldn't make it in the buy again for me. Uh, or smoke again. If somebody gave it to me, I'd I enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. It's got, and what I'm getting is it's pleasant tobacco cigar taste. There's a, occasionally when I draw hard, there's a light sweetness, but I can't tell, I can't identify it. Like, I can't say cocoa. Yeah. I can't say I you know, can't cream. I can't, you know. There's not enough there. It's just uh, the flavor is light. And I think the strength is light, too. I'm not... I always talk a little fast when I get some nicotine in there. Well, and it's getting colder, too. It, it is. It was 40 degrees when I pulled up, and I don't think it's 40 right now. It's, it's you know, strong. It's fleeting outside and whatever. But it is March. It's a good day. It is March. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't the, what's his name, Punxsutawney Phil see his shadows that were supposed to be cold for yeah, a long time? Yeah, I was mixing that all up the other day. I like to I like to be a little bit of an antagonist in conversation with people sometimes, mm-hmm. just because it's fun. So I was talking about... <laughs> My wife says it's being an asshole. That, not not about you. She says it's about me. Well, I do the same thing. There's, there's the difference between <laughs> baiting someone in fun and actually mm-hmm. trying to irritate them. Yeah. And I'm not accusing you either, but I'm just okay. saying. Right, there's a difference. Um, but, you know, I, I was talking about, what was it, uh, what did we just, Groundhog Day is February 2nd. Mm-hmm. What did we just pass? I'm drawing a blank here. We passed a, a day. Oh, a holiday? Or a, oh, it was the, the time change day mm-hmm. is what it was. So we're, we spun our clocks forward and I was, you know, talking to somebody and I like, I've always, I've been with since I was a young man, you know, start to drop foolishness into the conversation and <laughs> act confident about it, like, like I know what I'm talking about. But yeah, today we're, we're, the clock changes forward and that's the day that the groundhog comes out and says that, the, you know, whatever. Oh, man, it's so funny. You ever do that, though? Yeah. I would encourage our listeners to do that, just to just throw in some nonsense sometime, like it, like it's the truth to somebody and just see the reaction. The first time I ever did it, I can still remember, I was in high school. We were in the locker room, you know, and we were listening to those music to get us all jacked up and the song comes on and it was like, one of those 90s rock bands or whatever. And I, oh, I love Metallica. They're my favorite. Yeah, I knew it wasn't Metallica. I was just yeah. totally baiting these guys, you know, and all these jock dudes. Oh, come on. No, no, no. <laughs> off the rails. And I said, this is going to be something I'm going to continue to do. Yeah. <laughs> well, I had a guy in, in, when I was part of Rotary Club. When I was walking, I was getting coffee or something, and we were just, like, kind of talking as we were getting coffee and shooting the breeze as the club hadn't actually started yet. And, and somebody... Something was said, and he said, "Oh, I gotta be careful. I don't want to offend anyone." And I said, "Yes, you do. Yes, you do want to offend somebody." He's like, "Say, oh, yeah. I'm just kidding. I like saying that to see who challenges me." <laughs> you know, because he was totally baiting me, mm-hmm. saying, "Oh, don't want to offend anyone." Because 90 percent of people are like, "Oh, yeah, I don't want to offend." Him. And I'm like, "Yes, yes, yes, I do." Lightly, <laughs> in a yeah. polite, civil way. Oh, because it's funner conversation when you do that. Right. Funner, because that's good grammar. We're on a total rabbit show right now. But, we are. Uh, speaking of offending, <clears throat> okay, 
You had mentioned, I think, The Office. Did you mention The yeah, Office to me a while back? Flair. Well, no, that's not the space. I think in, a, in previous talks, we've talked about The Office, yeah, about the character or something like that. But the television show, mm-hmm. like 05 or whatever, started in 05. I'm old. And uh, so Tony and I sat down, I forget what night it was this week. It was way too late. I just got home. We just wanted to do something fun. And she had borrowed season one of The Office. Mm-hmm. And I, I haven't laughed that hard for so long. Because the boss, you know, what's his name, Michael Scott or whatever, this yeah. character, Steve Carell's character, is continually dropping just the most, he's just being stupid, but dropping what would be seen as just the most offensive thing. <laughs> I just cannot get enough, I just, it's so funny to me. It's so I don't, awkward and hilarious. I don't know if this is fair, but it's like, the back in the 70s, am I... Yeah, I think it was 70s. Archie Bunker. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that character. He's like, the Archie Bunker of boss is hilarious. (laughs) Oh, it's so funny. Oh, Oh, goodness. Diversity Day. It's like one of the first four, four, probably like one of the first three episodes. And I just, I had to pause it. I was laughing so hard I couldn't even see anymore. Gosh, man, if 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 they update that for... 2017, I bet they could do another run that would be hilarious. Oh, my word. They'd probably make too many people mad. What is that, 13 years ago? <laughs> 2005 is 13 years ago. Well, how many seasons? Didn't they do pretty good? I, I don't know. I think they did. That kind of launched Carell, I think. I don't I don't follow actors very much, but anyway. Oh, oh so funny. Well, do you want me to go to the prosthetic? That will kind of get us back to the comeback. Business, comeback. business thing. I thought about when you talked about those welders. Just innovating and doing their thing. I gotta, I gotta keep talking on this. If I talk too long, yeah, it's, it's being pretty finicky. And I, Which I, takes the enjoyment now. It does. A couple notches. But so, so official, official note on the R quite J. You have to baby it a little bit. You have to work on it. You can't talk too much. <laughs> so, well, and this is the second time that I've had issues with it. Yeah. Apparently. So. I think it went out when you first, I, I can't, we don't take notes or anything, so I don't know for sure, but um, but I can say that I had a pretty good light, mine's burning good, except it's tight, and you, mm-hmm. yours went out, which is not good. Yeah, right away, too. Yeah. And I, had, I think I had a good light on it, I thought so. So, prosthetic. Mm-hmm. When I was in Nepal, this was, this was amazing. You might have heard this story before. I tell it a lot. <clears throat> we went to a place, I used to know the name, oh, I do know the name. It was called Green Acres because they actually named it after the after the show. The place to be. <laughs> yeah, it's like like the Green Acres something or other. Kind of like it wasn't a hospital, but it was a place where they basically helped people who had uh, what's that disease that's in the Bible? Leprosy. Leprosy. They helped people who have leprosy. Apparently, that's a huge deal still in modern modern day Nepal. But one of the issues is, um, you know, you lose feeling in your extremities. And what actually happens is, you know, people, you get the idea that your extremities fall off, but what ends up happening is you lose your sensitivity. You, you actually injure, sometimes you end up injuring yourself because you don't have feeling in those extremities. So legs, like your, your toe, if you lift your leg up, your toe will hang down, and so people drag their feet. So there's some leg issues. But what this hospital was specializing on was um, they would try to treat the leprosy because the weird thing is it's treatable. Yeah, antibiotics, right? Yeah, 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 it's treatable. But there are a bunch of people that don't even know that, so that's... PR is a big thing, getting the word out that they can help. But we go into this, you know, third world hospital-esque place, which is like a fancy garage. <laughs> yeah. And there are these, um, don't know if they're American, I think they were probably probably British um, engineers and kind of doctor types. <clears throat> and they have this amazing prosthetic leg. And, <clears throat> you know, we go in there, and before we even get started, I'm like, I'm like, my word, that, that prosthetic leg, how in the world can you, how in the world can you afford to get a prosthetic leg like that for all the people you're helping? And they're like, we get one. <laughs> what? We get one, and then we have to build all the others. Yeah. I'm like, what? Our job is to go locally and figure out <laughs> what we can buy. We buy plumbing pipe, we heat it with a torch, we shape it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you're kidding me. And then... They take us back to the other place where they have ten prosthetic legs that they are in the process of building from local stuff. That's cool. And you know what? If it has a rusty screw in it, do they care? 
Not, not if I can walk now. Yeah. <laughs> the guy can walk. Who cares if it's a rusty screw? Regulation, you know, that kind of stuff. And it's just, you know, and I, I forgot the cost, but they said how much the prosthetic limb costs, and if you'd research it, you'd probably find what the prosthetic leg costs in America. But they were talking about how locally, you know, I'm just probably... Hundred bucks or something like that. They yeah, can yeah. buy the supplies and make a prosthetic leg. That's cool. And it was so just so amazing. No regulation, no nothing. Just people that care about people. Mm-hmm. That seems like how the world should run. Find a need, fill a need, yeah. need a need, whatever. That is kind of you know. It basically does run that way. And and here here's the flip side. In America, when the regulation says you have to have that prosthetic leg at that level, then what happens is that maintains the industry, Mm -hmm. all of the pieces that go into that leg and the industry to manufacture it. If we want to help that person walk, we have to raise that much money to help that person walk. The option to say, no, I'm going to build a leg in my shop might not be there. It probably might be there on a really small scale, but on a big scale, you can't you can't manufacture ten legs in your shop and have ten people walk. Yeah, you'll go to jail <laughs> or or the poorhouse, one of the two. Yeah, and that that seems wrong. That seems morally seem wrong. wrong. It does seem wrong. And man, I you know, in life, I always feel like I sound like a broken record, and this will sound <laughs> like a broken record too. But it's funny how it's really hard for some people to grasp that argument because, again, the the, uh, the armies of, 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 I hate to say bleeding hearts, but you know what I'm saying, the ar- armies of concerned people that will wave the banner of safety in, in regulation, um, if they knew that by reducing the standard you could help a million more people, yeah, they, you know... I wonder if any of them would change their tune. But to make them hear hear that case is extremely difficult because it seems like they're they tend to be and I don't want to just, you know, use broad brush strokes for people and their and their concerns, but it's why is it so hard to make that point to people? It's it's so hard. Well, the I think I can answer it sort of. Because I mean think back to when you didn't have the knowledge of like that limited government's better, that limited regulation's better. You just trust whatever culture, your context you're living in, you say, this is just how it is, and you kind of <clears throat> trust it without thinking about it, and that's not necessarily bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and it comes down to trust. If you trust the government, you trust the regulation, um, then that's good. I, I, it seems like those are founders... <laughs> of our country wanted to say, wait, our government wasn't that great back in Britain, so we don't want to actually do too much as a federal government. We want to keep it small because if you give the federal government too much power, sometimes you don't, it doesn't matter if you trust them then, it's too late. Mm -hmm. And, well, I guess the thing that concerns me the most is just an overall lack of objectivity. Because it seems like today, facts don't even matter anymore. There's no such thing as a as an honest discussion. Because if 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 somebody brings me facts, but that but I know that going into it, I know that that person is my political enemy. There's a huge tendency right now to not listen to their facts and just assume that they're lying because they're my political enemy, rather than trying to see it, the problem objectively. And really try to look for a, a solution. We've lost, we're losing. Maybe we haven't lost it, but it seems like we're losing objectivity, which is a real scary thing. That's what the most scary thing to me. Yeah, I, I hope, and, and again, here, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put back a little bit, because you're, I'm, you know that I'm a facts person. Yeah. I, I want to talk about facts. I, I like when Venture Curl says, facts don't care about your feelings. Mm-hmm. You know, it, this is just reality. This yeah. is how things are. Facts are the facts. Yes. However, I'm going to push back a little because. Sometimes the argument doesn't, the facts don't matter, because if I don't trust the person that are saying that, the person that is giving me the facts, and I trust someone else, I'm going to vote with the person I trust. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to vote with the person who just told me the facts. Now, if the person I trust tells me the facts, 
the, the, the trust, the relationship is what is what is holding it holding it together. And so the thing <coughs> Are you coming in? <laughs> My wife is here. Oh Very good, thank you. Thank you, sweetie. Awesome. <coughs> so the the thing that Trust needs to be brought, and trust is based in relationship, but trust and relationships need to be considered more often than not. And because obviously a civil discourse with someone you don't trust, a face-to-face civil discourse with someone can actually make you trust them. And it's not just they're sharing facts, but when you see them as a human being, when you see them as a real person, you, you know, maybe... That's fact, but you still think your solution is better. There isn't, but you, something happens in the humanness of the moment in the person you disagree with. And the more you can learn to be human, understand those interactions, you're still going to decide this is a better decision. You're still going to trust some of the relationships. You're still going to trust the people you trust. But you see your opponent differently when you're human together. Totally. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And there's an interplay here that, that I'll, I'll want to just take it another step further and adding to what you had to say is that I feel like we've sort of lost, along with, along with maybe the reason we've lost objectivity, or at least objectivity in my view, is because we've lost individuality too. You know, it seems like along with the whole trust thing, because that is a definite factor. I mean, you can't escape that that's a reality. The, you know, if I am secure in who I am as a person, and I believe the things that I believe because I have measured them and feel that they're right, then I feel like I'm more open to make a decision as a person, as an individual, instead of just going with my club, with my group. If I identify as a person... I'm going to make different decisions and I'm going to listen differently than if I am listening as a member of this club. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the whole idea of group thing, I'm sure that, and, oh, it's a, the winds blow strong in these, in these issues. And, when your identity becomes the group. Yeah, and, and you know, we've, I think really individuality, it can be bad, but it also can be a very good thing when we uh, have the... I don't know what the quality I'm thinking we need to be individuals, but, but uh, you know, you, you do measure things different. You hear things different. You relate differently when you're doing it as an individual instead of doing it as a member of some. So, I don't know, here's where my brain's going. I'll, I'll throw out a couple of things, and who knows where this will go. <coughs> I want my girls, Ilothea and Ingrid, and my wife even, because we're all part of the family. We're not again. Oh, God. I want... <laughs> too long of a talk there. I want them to belong to the group of the Mills family. Mm-hmm. I want certain things about that group to be true and to be part of their identity. But in that, <clears throat> I'm building, I want to build them in as, as individuals as well. And I'm not sure that some groups, identity groups, necessarily build the individuals or or empower the individuals to do that. And, and there's, there, it seems like there's a balance. Because when I think about groupthink, well, I remember when being an American, groupthink was, was a good thing. Yeah. And that's on a way higher... On a small level, it's easy. Yes, I want my daughters to be part of the Mills family, and I get that. I'm in control of that. I'm not completely by myself in control of the American experiment, you know. So... Well, and, and a question arises as we talk about this. Unscripted, by the way. This is fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, a question arises as we think about this is that I'm going to make a generalization here just as, a, as an idea. But it seems like... <laughs> There's only one listener to Kathy Davis probably, so... <laughs> um, it seems like groups that rely heavily on the sort of identity... Um, aspect of an argument. Like, I'm going to vote with this group because it's my group. So one of the, the groups that use that most are the groups 
that, or whose ideas are harder to argue. Mm. Or who maybe, um, their arguments don't hold water, so they have to rely on more of a, mm. more of a identity argument versus a factual argument. Without giving too many specifics there, do you understand where I'm going with that? And I'm not, that's not to the Mills family group or anything like that. But for example, nationalism, the, the American group thing, mm-hmm. right? the thinking of as an American now, um, or a nation, nationalistic mindset. You know, if a nation is evil, like let's just say Nazi Germany, it's easy to label Nazi Germany. Mm-hmm. The, the nationalist idea mm-hmm. and the nationalist group was pushed very, very hard mm-hmm. as the core and central idea, you know, the motherland, the motherland, the motherland, mm-hmm. because the, the the principles were so atrocious that the only way that they could build unity was in this sort of greater group identity, not in the individual ideas themselves. <coughs> they were abhorrent, and people knew that, but they still sort of like rallied people by the cry of the group. Maybe. I'm trying to look. You're at, furrowing your brows, so I don't know if you're understanding what I'm saying. I think I, think I am. I, um, I'm, not, I'm not completely headed that rare way in my brain okay. yet. So, but, so let's go there if we need to. I'm, where I'm at is I'm, I'm wondering, because I think I see, like I'm thinking political right now, so whether, you're, whether you talk a leftist or whether you talk a conservative, I, I see people that join, that join the group because, yeah, I... That's what I think. So as an individual, they say, yeah, that's what I think, and I'm part of that group. And and so on both sides. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. On both sides, they do that. So I'm wondering, is there something in American culture that has caused us to say, I'm not going to actually think through this as much. I just want to be, just want to grab this group. And that's what I'm talking about. They're not an individual. It's almost like, I, I would even call it laziness. Listen, I'm not willing to do the work to think through all these ideas, but that guy sounds really smart, and he's on my side, so I'm going to be part of this group. I think there's a lot of that going on, and it's on both sides, or yeah. all sides. Maybe, yeah. there's not, maybe there's more than two. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, and there's probably always going to be those people. I suppose, but there's, some, there's something that's happened, though, that makes it, I don't know, it seems worse. In America. Yeah. In America, it seems worse. Yeah. And I work with youth, and I don't know if that makes me an expert on anything, but um, it, it just, it does seem like there's something culturally that has shifted from, uh, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, you know, um, you know, somebody made fun of me, okay, you'll be fine, don't worry about what they think of you, you know, let's get to it. Mm-hmm. And, and the... The, the young people today, and I say kids, I never thought this would make me so old when I say kids and I'm thinking about people that are 25, you know. <laughs> um, but there's, yeah, it's just, I was talking with a guy recently, a guy, a really polite fellow, I, I, probably a Christian, and we were disagreeing on regulation. It doesn't really matter what regulation. But he was saying, this is, this is just a good idea. It's safe. This is better. It's the right thing to do. I said, well, yeah, as long as you trust the person that's forcing that safety on you, mm-hmm. it's fine. If you give the government that power and they change and then you don't agree with them anymore and they, they have the bad ideas, yeah. they still have the power. And he just said, he's a, but, but this is a good idea. It's like he, he, couldn't, he couldn't get out of the fact that this is just makes sense. It's safe. It's a good idea. He couldn't think beyond, or at least in the short time we were talking, he couldn't. <clears throat> so, I guess I could also say I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't, in a short period of time, unpack it all with him. Yeah. And because honestly, the, the regulation you're talking about, I would probably say, yeah, I, I think it's safe. I think I agree. But I don't agree. It should be forced. That safety should be forced on people mm-hmm. because there's something kind of yeah. <clears throat> and I might have said this before. Somebody will say it's not safe to teach your kids stuff from the Bible, mm-hmm. and that's just a government regulation now. If we find you're teaching your kids stuff from the Bible, then 
you can be jailed. Mm-hmm. Um, <coughs> <laughs> yeah, whose version of the truth? Who are you going to trust? Yeah. <coughs> so, uh, these are far-reaching issues, as as we always discuss. Yeah. I'm glad that we that we think and learn, and I'm always you know that's why that's why at some point I got to get some again some people in here that are a little different than us, yeah. just to challenge some of the some of the ways I think. I, I hear some the, the two things recently that I've heard um, a lady at wine club who is um, a dedicated Democrat, and I think she's probably got sucked into quite a bit of the leftist Democrat, but but I would say she still has some fringe tendencies that I might even agree with sometimes. Um, And I think she she cares for people a lot. Um, But her her going off and saying some things about certain conservatives, which was really kind of struck strong, basically, you know, oh, that's that, and I'm like, hmm. And I I didn't even respond. I just listened to say, okay, some people see conservatives that way. That's important for me to understand. Yeah. And then... Um, the other person was actually a conservative guy that is probably more of a classical liberal, mm-hmm. and uh, the guy that, and he was talking about some government regulation probably being good. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of in this phase at 50 years old where I'm kind of I don't want any freaking government regulation, <laughs> you know. So I, I feel like I feel like I, I came into it 15 years late. Like I should be thinking this at 35, <laughs> not 50, you know. Whatever, but I'm like, you know, I'm like, okay, that sounds like a good idea, you know. Um, and he lives in he lives in California where there's all kinds of crazy regulation wow. that he hates. The wind's really blowing in California. <laughs> yeah. Ah. So it's just it, you know, at least it's a good thing that there's tension in these in these things, that there's pushback and that there's dialogue. I would be more concerned probably if we lived in an entirely monolithic. North Korea esque, where there wasn't room for debate. I'm glad that we live in a place where we can debate and talk about things. Um, <clears throat> you got, do we have time for another topic, or we we probably do? I want to do an update. I don't actually know if this has a let's let's let me look and see where we are. Does it? It's, it's not showing me a time. Let's see if I can. It's probably right about an hour because I was about we started at I think about a quarter after. Okay, so well. Um, but, uh, then let's give a cigar update, and <clears throat> we might do a quick topic and then a wrap. But cigar update, I'm down to definitely past the second third. Yeah. You've had some about a half, maybe. I had to rewrite <laughs> again. But. Um, nothing bad on my end, but nothing different. Nothing's wowing me. I'm working a little harder than I like to, so it's a little negative, but mm-hmm. it's pleasant. I expected more because it's got... You know, the, ooh, this is the this yeah. is the Romeo oh, Romeo and Julieta that you yeah. need to get. Right, right. So I bought a fine pack. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a it's not a in a, in a, an impressive cigar. I would agree. But, now I'm popping a little bit of retrohale just occasionally. It's not a light one. It's not burning my nose, and it's actually not like that should help the taste, and it's not a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Um, but it's pleasant. I'm just not always that happy with pleasant. You don't want to add anything now? That's it. That's it for me. Well, I'm going to throw in something mainly for you, not for the listeners, but we we have five cigars, maybe six, um, to go through for the next six episodes. Mm. I just recently, I, I found a Camacho sampler. Camacho. 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 I want to say that in a... <laughs> Like a Japanese man or something. Yeah. I don't know if it's Japanese. Oh, or Camacho. Camacho. I almost, I almost guess it's Spanish, but it could be Japanese. Yeah, it's oh, probably not yeah. Japanese. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's five, I think it's five cigars, and we'll, we'll each have one that we can go through. And they're not, I think I've mentioned five Vegas is a pretty, considered a low level that's really that's good. And this is kind of a, just a little bit higher than that. And they, they, they've done pretty good. And I actually think they're produced by Davidoff, which is like a high-end, like, crazy cigar. Cool. Um, Place, but it's kind of like their their low end cigar, which is which is still pretty good. But I'd like there's several we can try, and we have smoked one of them. If you remember the, it might be called cask strength or something. It had almost a, a 
slightly sweet whiskey kind of taste. All right, all right. All right. I don't know if you remember it. I, do, I don't. Not off the top of my head. <laughs> but uh, familiar with that. I've been wanting to try some of their others because the cask strength I liked pretty well. Cool. Does, yeah. it ha- does it have anything to do with actual whiskey barrels or something? Yes. Okay. I, I think I, I remember that. Yeah. I think I remember something. I like don't that. know if, the, if it's, it's either the filler leaves or it might be the wrappers were stored in whiskey barrels for a while, and it's it's noticeable. Okay. It's cool. noticeable. Um, it's not infused, so I, I like I'm comfortable storing it with my other cigars. Nothing's going to bleed off. Right. But um, but it's definitely noticeable when you smoke it. So that's coming out. Excellent, excellent. Well, we'll look forward to that for sure. What's the last topic? See if we can do a uh, no. Not going to be time. Not going to be time. Okay. okay. All right. Well. <laughs> Take some notes, and we'll talk about it next time. Do we want to work? And I'm I'm way past. Yeah. You know, I'm getting close to ending the cigar, so why don't I call it good for this week? I think we should call it good. You're you're good with the closing, so why don't you do what you well, say what you need to say when you close the podcast? All right. Well, thanks for listening. If you are listening to Doug and Joe talk, which is as we are we are uh, acclaiming to be the unofficially unverified worst produced podcast on the internet. <laughs> So we hope to see you again next time. If you have comments, leave them below. Get a hold of us. Email us. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. We need to have one of our things. If you're not listening, you shouldn't be. <laughs> I think it's still going, man. Is it? No. I don't know. I think it's off. No, no, it isn't. Let's see. You can edit. Yeah. Or not. It's probably better if we don't. Yeah. Oh. That's, I was going to tell you.